Hey, real quick, would you like to join me for a fun and super practical challenge to increase your online visibility? The Visibility Kickstarter Challenge is hosted by my friend Alina Vincent, who, if you don't know, she is the queen of online challenges. <clears throat> and that means that this is going to be one of the most actionable, value-packed, and fast-to-implement challenges that you have ever been a part of. I recently used her challenge method in my last launch, and it was the most effective challenge we have ever run, and it was easier than any, ever, any challenge we've ever run uh, as well. It is completely free, so if you want to join me, I'll be there. Head over to jenlaner.com forward slash 084 to sign up. And again, that's jenlaner, L-E-H-N-E-R.com forward slash 084. Hey guys, it's Gary Bay, Nerd Chuck, and you're listening to the Front Row Entrepreneur Podcast with our girl, Jen. Our guest today is author of Profit First, Clockwork, Surge, The Pumpkin Plan, and his newest release, Fix This Next. By his 35th birthday, he had founded and sold two companies, one to private equity and another to a Fortune 500. Today, he's running his third multi-million dollar venture, Profit First Professionals. He's a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and the former business makeover specialist at MSNBC. Over the years, he has traveled the globe speaking with thousands of entrepreneurs, and he's here today to share the best of what he's learned. Welcome, Mike Michalowicz. Jen, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Oh, it's a real treat for, for me to have you here. Uh, as I mentioned in our little pre-show, yeah. you you completely changed my life with the book uh, Profit First. I, I really became profitable very soon after implementing your system. So basically, any book you put out, I want to get my hands on it. <laughs> well, that's an <laughs> honor to hear that. And I'm just so happy you did it. You know, it's, it's so funny. You said you went to the bank and the bank first was declining your request. And uh, I think, sadly, that's where some of us give up and say, well, I guess they won't comply, so I won't uh, won't do it. But I'm happy you found another bank that was able to satisfy your your simple and very reasonable request. And uh, congratulations on the results. Well, thank you. All right, I think one of your greatest talents, as best as I can tell, is that you're able to simplify complex solutions mm -hmm. for problems that we entrepreneurs face. What problem is your new book, Fix This Next, solving for us? So is the problem of knowing our challenges. It, it, it came about in such an unexpected way. I, uh, it takes me about five years to write a book. So I, I don't write efficiently. It takes me a long time. And plus, I put a lot of research into it and testing. So uh, I started Fix This Next five years ago. And I wrote it actually for crisis. But uh, it's kind of ironic what we're experiencing right now. Mm. What I did was I emailed my list. I said, what's the biggest challenge you're facing? Which is a great question. I think we all should ask our client tell that all, regularly. So what's the biggest challenge you're facing? And uh, people responded with a variety of challenges. But what I noticed was some people either intentionally or unintentionally responded on the same day with a different business challenge. That is when it became very clear to me that the biggest challenge business owners have is knowing what their biggest challenge is. Mm. And so that became the thesis of the book was to how do we pinpoint what we need to work on next? There's so many apparent issues all the time. You know, we can put out fires constantly, but what's the right thing to do? What's the impactful choice? What is it? 
Well, <laughs> yeah. So it depends on your business circumstances. What you have to do is this process called the business hierarchy of needs. And what it is, is a way to evaluate the DNA of your business. And what I'd argue, Jen, is that all businesses at the essence of them are the same, just like humanity. Like me and you from the outside, if you look at our skin, our gender, our voice, our, our, our skin color, you know, we will be deemed different. But if you peel back the skin effectively, the biology of humankind is, is the same. And that's why if I was having like cardiac arrest or something, and I go to the hospital, the doctor doesn't say, you know, where's your heart? Is it in your foot? You know, they're like, oh, you always go to the chest. The triage is always the same process for everybody. And if we look at business, we peel back the skin of business. The essence of business is the same. There's a common DNA. And I call it the business hierarchy of needs. And uh, it's a little bit of a long explanation, but it goes like this. Maslow uh, was studying human needs and identified what subsequently became called the Maslow hierarchy of needs. And at the base, he said, every human needs physiological needs to be satisfied. For example, breathing air, drinking water, eating food. And then he said above that are needs like shelter. We need protection or safety, protection from uh, the elements, from physical harm. And you can keep going up the Maslow hierarchy of needs. There's five levels to self-actualization. What he argued, though, is that if any time a base level needs not being satisfied, we will revert to it. It's a biological response. So as an example, I'm in New Jersey. Uh, we can get some frigid winters. This year was mild, but it can get pretty frigid. If I'm outside in a t-shirt and all of a sudden freezing temperatures come in, uh, sub-zero, I will seek shelter immediately because I will die of hypothermia. It's a biological response. But if, it, if there's a need even below that, which is physiological needs, if some guy comes up behind me and you know, puts like a bag around my head, plastic bag around my head and wraps duct tape around it, now I, my most base physiological need of oxygen is deprived. I will rip and tear away that bag so I can breathe again before seeking safety. Well, in our business, we have a hierarchy that I call the business hierarchy of needs. It's very similar to the Maslowian hierarchy with one substantial and critical difference. The difference is this, that we are not neurologically wired into our business. So while biologically, if something happens to you or me, we will respond. Like if, if we're walking down a dark alley and we feel this um, discomfort that something's going to happen, we should turn around and get out of there because something probably will happen. Our senses trigger that instinctual emotion. But with our business, we don't have that biological wiring into our business. Many business owners revert to trusting their gut and their instinct in their business when, when it's actually the wrong move to make because we're not wired into our business. We need to back it with empirical data. So just as a real quick primer, the business hierarchy of needs has five levels. The base level need is sales. That's the creation of cash. It's equivalent of breathing for the business. No oxygen, the business suffocates. We need some source of inbound cash. Immediately above that is profit. Profit is the safety equivalent. It is the runway for our business. I call it the creation of stability. There's some businesses that have tons of sales, but no profit. And that's a very unstable business. One mistake and that business goes under. So we need profitability. Above that is order. Order is the creation of organizational efficiency. So order with the ultimate asset test is where the business owner is not needed, where the business can operate on its own. Can it run itself? The level above that's impact. Impact is the creation of transformation. This is where a business is not in the business of transactions. It's the business of impacting lives. It shifts people's lives in some capacity, 
but some way that does it permanently. And then the highest level is legacy. And legacy is the creation of permanence. What was so fascinating about this level as I researched it is that this is where business owners realize they were never business owners. They were actually business stewards, that they had brought life to a business, that they have brought something about that's actually more significant than their involvement, and that the business's purpose is to live on and to continue to be of service. And that's the business hierarchy of needs. And we go through a series of questions to pinpoint where we are in that hierarchy. And when we identify that, that's the thing we need to do. Okay. So what I love is that within each of these areas, like, so like there's a whole other level, like you've got this whole subset then under sales, profit, order, impact, and legacy, right? Like you've got, okay, so if we look into sales, there's like a whole checklist there that we need to, that we need to look at and assess. Would you say that like where we are right now, I mean, are we all going to be in the sales section more or less Great during question. this meltdown of our economy? Great question. I would say no, but I would say that is the gut response or instinct of many businesses. So l- let me kind of stage the questions for you. When we What we do is we always start, to your point, we start at the base. So everyone needs to look at your business right now and say, how are we doing on sales? And there's two simple questions to ask. The first question is, do we have any? And you do this for every level. So do we have any sales? And when we move to profit, we say, do we have any profit? But do we have any sales? And uh, some businesses have gone cold turkey. They've been shut down. They have zero mm-hmm. sales coming in. That means your business is suffocating. And we immediately must take action to resume inbound cash flow. So that is what you need to address. But many businesses actually have had sales curtailed, but they still have some sales. So then we ask the second question. Do we have adequate sales to support a degree of profitability? And if the answer is yes, we elevate to the next level and evaluate profit. And we simply now look at profit because they're linked together and we say, do we have any profit? And if the answer is no, but you have adequate sales to support a degree of profit and you have no profit, then you actually have a profit problem. So it's funny, but in this market, actually most businesses are having a profit problem. Their sales have been depleted, but they still have some sales. They need to reposition themselves to drive that profit. So what do you do? Well, you cut costs, costs that you can don't need at all. You jettison costs, but you also amplify margin. You, you look at the products or services you're offering that are selling well and determine how to increase the margin on those to make it more profitable. That can be done through efficiency. It can be done through price controls, uh, you know, increasing price or something. But we look at that. And we continue up the, the hierarchy, the same question. Once we have a degree of profit, we say, now that we have profit, do we have enough profit to support a degree of order? Or efficiency. And then we move up and evaluate that stage. The, the mistake that I see business owners making in response to what's going on is our instinct says, we got to sell our way out of it. There's actually even phrases like sales, sales cures everything, which is total BS. It does not. Sales actually translates to stress on an organization. So the more I sell, the more my company has an obligation to deliver on that promise, right? Because sales is a promise. It's a promise from both parties, the customer to pay you something and us to deliver a product or service. Well, if we have if we sell more, we have more obligation. And in in crisis like we're experiencing now, the business owner is more and more engaged in supporting the business. So in many cases, more sales, more responsibility on the organization, more responsibility on the owner's shoulders. So what I see people is they're trying to sell their way out of this, and they are working. They were working ridiculous hours. Now it's overwhelming, and they're 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 crushing themselves under the weight. I see other businesses doing, uh, trying to enhance sales in a very not for not profitable way. Like, you know, let's just cut our prices by one company cut prices by fifty percent. Their margins were ten percent. 
they cut prices by 50%. Mm. It means they're losing 40% on every transaction. They've started the downward spiral on an accelerated path now. So we need to evaluate. And uh, what, what businesses can do uh, if you have a profit issue or a sales issue, which many likely do, but again, I argue it's probably for more businesses profit than anything, is to repackage our offerings. So you know, here's an example. There's a restaurant down the street. Restaurant shut down. They can't do anything. The, the knee-jerk reactions were out of business. The obvious solution or change is we can do carry-out or takeout. But that's what restaurants have always done. One restaurant got very innovative. They said, we need to increase our margins. What do we do? And what, what they did is they um, determined their 10 most popular menu items. They went out to their patrons. They emailed them and say, we're going to start a cooking class. So you can cook our 10 most popular menu items at home. We're going to do one a week for 10 weeks, and you can get your family together. It's a two-hour cooking session. Our chef will be at our kitchen by herself with the you know camera on her and uh, talking with you through his meals. And they are now offering this as a subscription, and they have like 20 or 30 families going through this as a group. It's reconnecting the community in a new, fresh way. People are enjoying the meals again, and the restaurant actually has a greater profit margin on that than anything they've ever done in the past. So that's how we have to look at it. Don't just revert to sell uh, sell anything to cure to everything because it won't happen. Let's look at sales, but sales in relation to profit. Let's look at profit in relation to efficiency and build our way up. And one thing I want to share is other businesses are making the mistake of jumping levels. They're saying, you know what? We got to just be all about impact. We got to do everything to care for the community. Don't worry about sales. Don't worry about profit or efficiency. Let's do everything about serving the community. And these businesses are serving till it hurts, which means they are helping, but only to a period where their business becomes so crippled, they go out of business. And that's the ultimate shame that they've cared for the community for a short period, but they exhaust themselves in weeks or a few months and they're done. They could have been around forever. And so what we have to do is we do have to serve our customers often in a new way now, but we also got to make sure that we're sustainable. So we have to be fair to the customers just as much as we need to be fair to ourselves. Oh man. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that restaurant story uh, is amazing because I was actually going to use that as an a- example and say, yeah, but hey, Mike, what about restaurants? I mean, all they can do is really apply for a disaster loan and like pray to God that they yeah, can right, open right, their right. doors exactly. at some point. Exactly. You and, know, and but that's- Be, care- be careful of those loans. I, I see businesses going for these loans and uh, going in without understanding what the consequences are. I- I'm not saying a loan's not appropriate, but for many businesses, it may not be. Because if we need to borrow money, that means there's a root cause behind that. Like, what? why do we need to borrow money? Because we're not making it. Well, why are we not making it? We've got to pinpoint the disease and be careful of just putting a Band-Aid over it. And I just want to remind people, too, a loan is, is an obligation. You will likely have to pay it back. And I know there's some loans that are potentially forgivable, but there's a lot of questions around that. The government has not sorted that out. So just be careful. The other thing I want to share is... I'm reaching out, Jen, to all these different businesses that are presumably done. Like restaurants are one, but I spoke with DJs last night. I spoke with real estate agents the day before, wedding planners, talked with about uh, yeah. a week ago. And uh, what I'm trying to do is to find the success stories there. And I'm consistently finding they exist. What they require us to do is imaginative thinking. And I found there's two simple ways to trigger this automatically. One is do a, what's called the one step back process. You look at your final deliverable, a restaurant delivers food to the table. And we start asking, well, what happens one step back from that? And, you know, historically, well, I carry the food to the table. So that means 
you carried food to the table, you could do carry out or take out. Um, actually, there's another restaurant example of a restaurant that teamed up with a food truck, which is really great collaboration. So the food truck is doing runs into neighborhoods, delivering dinnertime meals, and the restaurants become a cooking center now. But then we yeah. ask what happens one step prior to that. Well, it's the preparation of food. And uh, what we already talked about a sample of that is you can now videotape or do live broadcasts of preparation, do a cooking class. And one step prior to that is the procurement of the materials or the raw inventory, meats, potatoes, vegetables. You can uh, sell that, become a blue apron for your town. But as you know, I was talking to DJs and DJs, you know, you host parties, parties are done. And um, we're talking about, I said, well, what happens right before a party? Well, we, you know, we perform the pre-music. Um, we get the, the energy going for the, before the big event. So one idea there was why not have a DJ team up with uh, a town, go to the, you know, the mayor and say, listen, I'll, I'll go to a cul-de-sac and we'll get some music crank and get people out of their houses and partying. Um, not, you know, social distancing, but partying. Oh, I love that. You know, there was um, Santa Claus, uh, goes around, uh, you know, Christmas week for many neighborhoods on that fire truck, you know, ringing the fire bell, bells and people come running out to get the candy and, and wave to Santa Claus. Well, we can reinvent in that capacity, but you can make revenue doing this too. The DJs could team up with maybe the restaurants that are re-innovating themselves, like that one that's delivering food or doing cooking classes. And you do a little cul-de-sac party for, for 30 minutes or so and say, hey, I want everyone to know this was due to our great friends at such and such restaurant that sponsored this and are allowing us to do this. Make sure you buy your next meal from them and then are off to the next cul-de-sac. So none of us are done, but we do need to reinvent ourselves. And the last element I want to share is the core competency of what we deliver remains the same. DJs entertain and they uh, build excitement and they bring energy. You know, restaurants deliver a food ex experience around food. So how do you maintain that core competency just in a new packaging? Yeah, I love it. I mean, when we get done with this podcast, I have like a couple of people I need to call right away. Yeah. <laughs> I love hearing <laughs> um, that. In fact, like our local DJ, in fact, like he, this is, this would be great for him. Okay. But so one thing I want to go back to, to the pyramid, Yeah, the business hierarchy of needs. And when I look at it, I think at first glance, I'm like, yeah, I need all of these. Like yes. I, I mean, without order, how do I have sales? Right. Great point. Without Great point. So you do need all of them. It's a sequencing where we concentrate our efforts. So to your point, the only way you can sell, sell is if you have some kind of process and you don't even need a documented system, but you do need a process in your mind, pick up the phone, call the person, go through their challenges, you know, whatever your process is. So we do need that. It's just at these levels where it becomes a point of emphasis. So as you elevate up to the order level, you will already have some systems for sales, some efficient uh, systems for your profitability. And at the order level, now it becomes the full-time concentration. The main goal there is to extract the business owner from the business. In fact, there's five elements. And actually, at every level, there's five elements. I call this the DNA of business. And when we look at the, uh, the order level as an example, one element is removing the owner. There's another component called linchpin redundancy. Now, I, I set this system up. I use my own businesses as a guinea pig. So uh, I've, I've had the great joy of owning businesses my entire adult life. And uh, the business that I, one of the businesses that I own I, right now is the ultimate guinea pig. And this concept of linchpin redundancy was once we extracted myself out of the business where I had the freedom to reinsert myself in the business, but in the capacity I wanted to. Before this, the business, you know, I had to do things to keep the business moving along. 
once I removed myself and empowered a team and processes to run the business, now I can go do what I love to do, which is basically be the spokesperson for the business, do what we're doing. And, uh, we put this woman, Kelsey Ayers as our uh, president and she runs the organization, but it became quickly apparent. Now we became dependent on Kelsey. If cause mm. we're a small company, we, we have 12 of us cumulatively. And if, if, you know, if Kelsey's out, everything comes to a halt again. So that's when we realized we need to have linchpin redundancy. How do we get Kelsey out of the business? So we're not dependent on her. And, uh, that's what you actually do. You physically remove the person. So we said, Kels, you're, you're leaving for four weeks. You're on vacation, no contact. And to do this though, you have to help us cover every role that you have. And uh, last summer she went away, not for four weeks, but eight weeks. She went on sabbatical and uh, leading up to that, all the processes had to be in place. When she came back, uh, we had a business running without the necessity for her to run the business, which interestingly elevated her to a higher level of strategic planning. And now we're doing this across the board that all of our employees um, were mandating that they're pulled out of the business for four consecutive weeks because that f- it's wonderful for them. But more importantly for the business or selfishly for the business, we start building these redundancies so that no one person controls one operation. Okay. I love this so much because it's actionable. I mean, because you could say that theoretically, yeah. like we should all have systems and everybody should be redundant. But right, right, the right. fact that you're saying you, bye-bye, four weeks, have fun, have a nice vacation. Oh, yeah. I it, mean, and you really are doing it. That's incredible. Yeah. And you, and you swallow hard when you do it. It was interesting. <laughs> the first four-weeker uh, was me. I went away and I can't believe the problem we ran into. And it wasn't the systems or my team. It was me and me and my big fat ego. I left. And after a week, I'm like, Hey, no one's calling me. No one needs me. And, uh, the one single tear came down and I actually tried to reinsert myself in the business and Hey guys, what's going on? When I returned after that four weeks, we sat down with a team and I said, how badly do you need me back here? And, uh, a one, uh, you don't need me, uh, at all. A 10 might get to work now. We don't even have time to talk. And the answer was like a 1.1. They said, "Wow, Mike, we really don't need you uh, in this capacity. And we said, I said, so so what was the problem? Uh, did we experience any problems? They said, it was really you trying to reinsert yourself. There was a sense of empowerment that, that people felt now they actually had control. This isn't about like or dislike. I, I hope and I feel they like me very much as much as I like them. But it was it was the freedom for our colleagues to step into their talents and their abilities. Many business owners, myself in particular, I, I don't realize how much I squash the capabilities of the people around me by asserting control because I, I want to do it, quote unquote, the right way, which is my way, which is not necessarily mm-hmm. the right way. And um, w- then I asked, I said, well, what should I be doing here? And they said, well, Mike, you're, you know, your talent is you're our spokesperson. So be the face, be the front man of the band and sing your songs. But we got the drums and the guitar and the bass and the backup singers. We got everything else. Don't do that stuff. Um, it's, it was really eye-opening for me. And it's been a wonderful experience. I, I moved from, I used to call myself a superhero, not out loud, of course, but in my mind, I'm like, oh, I can scoop <laughs> it and save everything. I changed from superhero to supervisionary, meaning where do I want to take this business clearly? How can I design this that it supports my plans, but also all of my colleagues' plans? How do I make it that everyone comes out winning? That's what a, a supervisionary does. And uh, by giving myself and my big fat ego a new bigger title than superhero, I'm more compelled to behave that way. So for your for your overall 
company. Like, I don't know what your big LLC is. Okay. Yeah. Um, superhero Productions LLC or, <laughs> you know, yeah. Inc. What, whatever it is, your company, where would you say you are right now on the business hierarchy of needs? Oh, interesting. On any given we're, day. We're at sales. We're at sales. So this was fascinating. So I would say six, seven weeks ago, we were focusing on the impact level of making these transformational things. Then uh, when when COVID hit, uh, we, and everyone should do this, we emailed my readers, you know, client base, and simply said, how can we serve you now? What's the new way we can serve you? Because things have clearly changed. And uh, historically, whenever we ask what's the challenge you're facing or how can we serve you, the feedback is business tips. For the first time ever, people said, in general, I my confidence has been shaken. How do I get my confidence back? Give me confidence. So we did an about face and started to investigate that um, at lightning speed, something we've never experienced before, and are producing products that help people achieve confidence. Now, these are products, meaning we're not giving it away because if we give it away, we will diminish our presence. We'll be wiped off the face of this planet. So we mm -hmm. have to do what's fair to our customers and serve them in this new need, but also do it that's fair to us for sustainability. So I'm I'm back at the sales level. And that's what's interesting about the business hierarchy of needs. This is not a ladder. You don't climb to the top and you, like, you wave to your friends from the top and say, how you doing? <laughs> you, you climb and you descend wherever the need is. And, uh, you know, we have the profit component still surely set up, but the foundation oxygen has been compromised for our business. So we need to take deeper breaths here. So we're improving sales. Once sales is going, we're going to quickly assess again, is profit sustaining? As of right now, we monitor it is. Is order and efficiency still here? It seems to be. So we may be put back into the impact level or even focusing on legacy a few months from now or a few weeks from now. But all that matters right now is getting that foundation shored up again in sales. So that, that is where we're focusing. That's comforting and um, encouraging. And how how do our listeners who are listening today, how do they get started with the fix this next system? Yeah, I'll give them two steps. One is very simple and you can be done in five minutes or less and you can see results. It's go to fixthisnext.com and on that page, you'll see a uh, free evaluation. So you simply click on free evaluation. When you do that, there's 25 questions. It'll ask you about your business that are very simple. They're all yes, no. And at the end of it, it'll give you an assessment of exactly what you need to fix next. So it's a great starting point. And then the second step, if you want to go beyond that, is to get the book. It's at Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. But I really believe this book is the best work I've done in my life. It's the most important work I've done, particularly now. So my commitment is I I think it's the most affordable and impactful thing I can offer to anybody. So if you're interested in making a small investment for a big return, I think Fix This Next will be a great service. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mike. And you guys definitely pick this book up, fixthisnext.com. And um, take care. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen.